0: So today we're going to start in Ephesians 4 again. We are still in Ephesians 4. I'm going to reread verses 22 onward and we're going to go through verse 27 today. Ephesians 4, as you're turning in your scriptures, maybe you can just put your hand on your Bible and let's pray that the Lord has speak to us through it. Lord, we know there's an anointing on your scriptures, and I pray that that anointing would rest upon each one of us as we receive your word. We declare that we receive it with meekness, with humility. We bow before the word of God. We ask that it would penetrate our hearts, it would saturate us, it would change the way we think, that it would not return to you empty or void, but it would accomplish everything you want it to do in each one of our lives. Lord, we embrace your word. We say yes to your word. And we, we ask, Lord, that it would change us, that it would align our thinking with your thinking. It would align our words with your word. It would align who we are with who you are, that we would become more like Jesus as a result of sitting under your word this morning. I pray it in your name. Amen. Okay, Ephesians 4, 22 says put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness therefore putting away lying let each one speak truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil Okay, so the first trait mentioned after we're told in verses 22 through 24 to put off the old man and put on the new man, that first trait is truth. Truth is to be foundational in our lives. Reuben taught on this last week, so I'm only going to say a couple of things about this and then we'll move on. We are to put off lying, deception, pretense, hypocrisy. And we're to put on truth and faithfulness. Truth is also the first piece of spiritual armor we put on every day. As we put on the armor of God found in Ephesians chapter 6, the first thing we do is gird our waist with truth or put on the belt of truth, according to your version. And for all three members of the Godhead, truth was integral in their character and their conduct. Therefore, it should be in ours. God is called... Uh, in Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 he is the rock his work is perfect all his ways are justice, a god of truth and without injustice righteous and upright is he And then John 14:6 says jesus is the way, the truth and the life and then the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth in John 16:13. says, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth because he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from God, the father, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Then we get up to verses 26 and 27, where he says, be angry and do not sin. So the Bible does not tell us not to be angry. It tells us to handle our anger properly. We are to be righteous and holy, even when we're angry Anger is actually a neutral emotion. It is neither good nor evil of itself, but it will motivate us toward good and righteous acts or it will motivate us toward evil. So when he says be angry, he's speaking of righteous anger. Be anger, be angry righteously. It's a righteous anger to be upset about sex trafficking because it motivates us to pray, it motivates us to get involved to do good. But do not sin, do not yield to unrighteous anger. So we're going to be comparing the two in this session. Anger is righteous when we use a hurt or a violation as a springboard toward acts of righteousness and love and, mo- and holiness motivate this anger. This kind of anger hates sin and injustice. The Lord's cleansing of the temple is an example of this. So let's read that in Matthew. Sorry, not Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 11. We're going to read verses 15 through 18. Mark 11:15. So they came to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And then he said to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. So this is a good example of righteous anger. Jesus had holy anger when he saw his father's house being misused for profit. People had come to sacrifice and worship and they were being exploited and kept from offering their sacrifices. They were told that their animals were blemished And then they were sold worthy sacrificial animals at high prices. Because some people couldn't pay the prices, they were turned away from giving an offering to the Lord. So the greed of the temple leaders were keeping the people from worshiping God and relating to Him. And Jesus was jealous for God's house to be revered and for His Father to receive the worship that was due Him. His anger was motivated by His love for the Father and for the people." So when Jesus faced sin, such as greed, pride, hypocrisy, we see him at times addressing the hypocritical leaders, he felt righteous anger. But when he was attacked personally, he did not react because he had no self-protecting anger. 1 Peter 2.23 says, "...when he was reviled, he did not revile in return." When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Let's go back to Ephesians 4. Back to Ephesians 4. Unrighteous anger, when he says, be angry, that's righteous anger. But don't sin, that's unrighteous anger. That is sinful it's selfish, it's damaging. And we see this anger passively expressed and aggressively expressed. So if you see yourself in any of these, you know you have where you get to repent to get this right. Because we want, we want holy anger. We want righteous anger. There's a time to use that. But we don't want to be guilty of sinful, damaging anger. Passive anger, we see that with irritability, moodiness, sarcasm, withdrawal, a critical spirit, and resistance to authorities. When we show um, selfish anger aggressively, it looks like shouting, temper tantrums, abusive and violent language, disruptive behavior, and screaming. You may not be guilty of any of that, but maybe some of your grandkids are, so you might get to deal with that with them. Being angry for a moment is one thing. He says, Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So, being angry for a moment, that's one thing. But um, being angry for a whole day is something else. And that's what he says. Don't let the sun go down. Don't be angry for an entire day. Don't go to sleep on it. Have you ever gone to sleep when you're angry and you wake up with cement in your soul? That's what happens, it hardens overnight. So there's words of wisdom here. It's not just like a cliche. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with things right away as soon as you can. If we hold anger inside, it will cause us to become bitter and it will eventually destroy us. If we nurse our anger, we give the devil an opportunity to divide us from one another, divide us within families, divide us within a nation and it causes we will damage each other we'll damage ourselves when we give the devil that kind of place words said in anger can wound people discourage and destroy relationships proverbs 12:18 says a word spoken in anger is like the piercing of a sword back to ephesians 4:27 he says nor give place to the devil now the greek word for place is topos And it means opportunity, occasion, or room. So he's saying, don't give the devil a place or an opportunity in your life. Don't give him any room. Now, that's a general statement. We never want to give the devil an opportunity in our lives. We never want to give him room, never want to give him place. But in context, he's speaking about anger here. Even we as believers can give control or give ground to the enemy when we give in repeatedly to anger. We give the devil an opportunity to oppress us if we hold on to anger for too long. It says in Psalm 30, verse 5, God's anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. So because our calling is to become just like Jesus, our anger must be only momentary. But our love and blessing toward other people needs to be for life. It should last a lifetime. Let's go to Matthew 5. Jesus spoke about anger in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to look at his thoughts here. This is again where we see the context of giving the enemy a place through anger that we want to clearly avoid. Matthew 5 21 and 22, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in anger of the judge. I'm sorry, shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Racha, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, "You fool," shall be in danger of hell fire. So the word translated as angry is the Greek word orgizo. And it means to be angry by disposition, to stay angry, to plan revenge, to be unforgiving. It's not the quick burst of anger where you come back down. This is where you just stay angry. There's actually even a psychological term for it. You wake up angry, you're angry all day, and you go to bed angry. That's kind of what he's talking about here. And planning revenge and holding unforgiveness in our hearts. So the principle Jesus taught is that not only is it wrong to murder someone, it's also wrong to be continually angry at a brother, to call him names, to speak to him with contempt. When we speak harshly or lash out at others in anger, we dishonor them, we humiliate them. We can kill joy, hope Love, we can damage a person's spirit and wound their soul. So that's part of it. it's not just murdering them physically. We can kill a number of things about them if we speak to them in anger. Look back at verse 20, Matthew 5, 20. Jesus said, I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now the the Pharisees and the scribes kept the letter of the law, but Jesus said, your righteousness needs to exceed theirs. How is that possible? It's it's by not only not be murdering someone, but also not being angry with someone without a cause, not holding a grudge or bitterness in our hearts, not planning revenge, Our righteousness exceeds theirs if we um, will deal quickly with any kind of anger in a right way. Jesus was dealing with a heart issue here. He always dealt with heart issues. So he says, it's not enough not to murder. You're also not to have anger in your heart. Anger breeds, if we hang on to it for too long, it'll breed an angry personality. So he was dealing with having a heart of anger. And then if we read on in verse 23, he says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So in context, he's he's not just saying if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember that someone has something against you, go get that right and then come and give your gift. In context, he's still dealing with anger. So he says, if you bring your gift to the altar, your worship, your prayer, your praise, your financial offerings, your sacrifices, you bring this before the Lord maybe even this morning. In our worship gathering, you're bringing your worship. You're bringing your prayers. You've come to sit under the ministry of the word. But you remember that your brother has something against you. Your brother in the Lord, brother in the natural, maybe a neighbor. It's anyone who's close to you, really. He has something against you because of your anger toward him. Your harsh words of contempt. What you've said or done that has wounded his soul that you've done out of your anger your abuse, your attack, then leave your gift at the altar. Go be reconciled to your brother and then offer your gift. So we see that Jesus emphasizes reconciliation and restoration in relationships as being more important than giving our gifts to him. If we have sinned against someone in anger, we need to make that right. It doesn't just go away in time. We've got to address it verbally. We've got to go be with them, talk it out, be reconciled. The Lord wants all men and women to be held in honor and treated with respect and dignity. That's part of walking in the fear of the Lord and honoring Him. Remember in Psalm 8 verse 4 it says, you have, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you consider him? And then the next verse says, you've made him a little lower than the angels. And in the Hebrew, it says, Elohim, God, you've made him just a little lower than God. And you have bestowed on him dignity and honor. That's how God sees man. That's how we need to see man. That's how we need to treat one another in our families, in the church, outside the church, anyone, a street person, someone who is in sex trafficking, someone who's being trafficked, everybody deserves to be treated with love and respect and honor. So let's compare God's anger to man's honor again. The Bible tells us that God's anger is often due to wickedness. You can read a lot about that in Psalm 7. We're not going to read that today, but Talks about God, God is angry with the wicked every day and he will judge the wicked. So he has good, righteous anger toward the wicked. He's angry toward sin. He's angry over the jealousy of the worship of his people. He wants us to worship him and not to worship any foreign God. He knows that our disobedience and our idolatry will lead to destruction. And so in his holiness and love, he cannot condone sin. God's jealousy over us and our devotion is for our good. His anger is motivated by love. He gives us commands like borders. And if we will stay within these borders, within these commands, we can be happy and blessed. But if we get out of the borders, then we run into trouble. So that's his anger. Our anger is usually motivated out of love for ourselves. We get angry when someone has crossed our boundaries, taken our rights from us, blocked our goals. We may be angry when we feel threatened or frustrated, when we have been physically or emotionally hurt. Sometimes we use anger to get our own way or to make our opinions heard. Our anger is usually self-centered and self-protecting. It is not motivated by love for others. That's why Jesus didn't react in anger because he didn't have self-love. He wasn't trying to protect himself. He was willing to lay his life down. But he was very angry when it came to wickedness that he dealt with. So I'm gonna close with giving you some clear directives from scripture about anger. Proverbs 16, 32 says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Proverbs 19:11 says the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Proverbs 29:11 says a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Unrighteous anger and bitterness will ensnare our souls. And if we hang out with angry, bitter people, we tend to learn their ways. You know, bad company corrupts good morals or good manners. And so, you know, when, I, when I'm around someone who's very angry, man, I, I try to run a mile. Because we, that is not the kind of people that we want to become good friends with. We can share the gospel with them. We need to evangelize them. But we don't want to be best friends with them. We don't want to learn their ways. Scripture's clear about that. And then James 1, 19 and 20 says, Let every man, let every woman be swift to hear. That's part of humility, that we're quick to hear other people. We're quick to listen. We humble ourselves to listen to someone else's opinion and what they think and what they feel. So let every person be swift to hear. Let every person be slow to speak. And let every person be slow to wrath. For the wrath of man, that carnal selfish anger, does not produce the righteousness of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. And so I ask, would you sanctify our emotion of anger? and those of us that have repressed anger or suppressed anger and it's become damaging to ourselves, Lord, would you heal those wounds of anger? Would you heal the emotion of anger? And to those who have overexpressed anger and used anger to get their way or to get their point across and others have been wounded, Lord, would you minister your healing to both the speaker and the hearer? Lord, we, we all carry wounds within in our souls, in our hearts. I ask today, Lord, would you put your hands on our souls? Would you release healing, especially in this area when we've been wounded by words of anger? We've been wounded by actions of anger. And then, Lord, I pray that you would ignite righteous, holy anger in each one of us that we would use it as a springboard for righteousness and righteous acts, that we will not cower or be timid to address things that need to be addressed where we need to walk in righteous anger. We need to speak up at the right time and do things in the right way. I pray you would make us bold. You'd make us courageous You'd set us free from selfish anger and you would set us on fire with righteous anger. I pray we would be like Jesus. We would commit ourselves to you who judge righteously, that we will not seek our own revenge. We would leave vengeance to you, for you say, Vengeance is mine. So, Lord, would you help us to walk the ways you've called us to walk, to be angry when it's the right time, the right situation. But not to be unrighteously angry and not to let the sun go down on our wrath. Give us the courage to seek reconciliation and restoration in relationships. May we all walk in a whole new level of handling anger the way you tell us to in the Word. May we be faithful in this, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may.